Hello everybody and welcome into episode number 273 of the Bible 2021 podcast. Today we are reading Psalm 95 and 96 today and we're talking about how fear and worship are intertwined. The trouble with some modern worship songs. So our goal as a podcast is to every day get into the word of God with you, to read it, to discuss it and to understand it and to seek to follow it and obey the truths we're learning. Our website is Bible2021.com. That is B-I-B-L-E-2021.com. Well, look, it's easy to pick nits, nits with old Christian standard hymns and songs and, uh, you know, things like, uh, did baby Jesus cry or did he never cry? Like, away in a manger kind of ha- would have us believe. Well, You know, I think Jesus was fully God and fully human, so it's virtually guaranteed that he cried. Well, it's also easy to pick on some modern worship songs. I mean, what in the world does heaven meeting earth in a sloppy wet kiss actually mean? And why are we singing that in a worship song? That's kind of weird. But here's the thing. I spent like 30 minutes before getting ready to show uh, reading critiques uh, and blogs of worship songs, and I'm not really interested in getting involved in that bit. Business. I don't want to break down a bunch of modern worship songs or older songs and try to find all the problems in with them. I, that just doesn't sound appealing to me in the least. But I am more interested, however, in uh, from a pastoral perspective and just even from being a member of a church, I'm interested in making sure our worship songs line up with the truths of the Bible. Like some songs emphasize the loving kindness of God and uh, really de-emphasize or emphasize less the holiness of God. Other songs are all about the holiness and awe of God, but a little bit less about his personal love and nearness and mercy. And look, I think that's okay because it's hard for any one single song to fully capture the essence of God. It's just important that we don't sing all, you know, God is holy songs and no God is love songs or vice versa. The songs of the church, when taken as a whole, should echo the teachings of the Bible about the nature, essence, and character of God. And one thing I think is lacking in many modern songs, and really probably even more ancient hymns as well, is a dynamic we're going to see today in both Psalm 95 and 96, uh, both of which might just be a little jarring to a modern church attender without a deep theological background. Well, Psalm 95 starts uh, normally enough, I guess is the right word, at least for a psalm. Verses 1 through 3 says, Come, let's shout joyfully to the Lord. Shout triumphantly to the rock of our salvation. Let's enter his presence with thanksgiving. Let's shout triumphantly to him in song. For the Lord is a great God, a great king above all gods. Of course, it's a great beginning, and it has a wonderful truth in it, probably several. Uh, But we should uh, often, though not legalistically being rigid about it, enter into the presence of God in prayer and worship with like wholehearted and full-throated thanksgiving. In other words, thanksgiving is a great way to start off singing to God and a great way to start off praying to God. Although the example of the Psalms is going to tell us not every psalm or not every prayer, not every worship song needs to begin with thanksgiving, but boy, it's a great way to start, right? There's great wisdom in thanking God for what he has provided before we ask him for more, for instance, and that's good for even our own soul and faith to do that, to remind ourselves of God's goodness to us. But 
If you keep reading this psalm, uh, worship turns pretty abruptly to warning at breakneck speed. We get to verse 7 and it says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, as on that day at Massah in the wilderness where your ancestors tested me. They tried me, though they had seen what I did. For 40 years, I was disgusted with that generation. I said, they are a people whose hearts go astray. They do not know my ways, so I swore in my anger, they will not enter my rest. Wow, right? Uh, what's going on here? We ha- How have we begun with a worship song that calls us into to entering into the presence of God with thanksgiving and extols God for his greatness? And now we've sort of ended with a very sober, like really sober warning to not test God or harden our hearts to him. Uh, lest we be left out of his eternal rest. Yeah, this is something of a shocking development. So let's consider two important things to help us understand this psalm and other psalms like it. Number one, what even does this warning mean? And number two, why is there a warning in the middle of a worship psalm? Or I guess more accurately, at the end of a worship psalm. Well, first, what is the psalmist referring to here? Well, this is referring to an incident which was recorded hundreds of years before the psalm was written. In Exodus 17, where the people of Israel were thirsty, and they began to bitterly complain against Moses and against God, doubting God. They'd seen God provide, but they were really angry and really complaining hard. And as we've discussed before, God does not look upon complaining as a minor thing. The Israelites were testing God and railing against him after seeing his miraculous provision over and over again. They were basically asking, hey, what have you done for us lately? to a God who had done innumerable things for them. And because of this incident of complaining, and many more similar and like it, that generation of Israelites did not enter into God's promised land, as Hebrews three twelve through 19 records, which says, Watch out, brothers and sisters, so that there won't be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage each other daily while it is still called today, so that none of you is hardened by sin's deception. For we have become participants in Christ if we hold firmly until the end the reality that we had at the start. As it is said, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who heard and rebelled? Wasn't it all who came out of Egypt under Moses? With whom was God angry for forty years? Wasn't it with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. So this is a sobering warning that we see in the Old Testament, the New Testament, and Psalms, that every Jewish person who read the Psalms would understand. Uh, But again, that gets us to our second question. Why? Why is a warning like this in what appears to be a psalm of worship and praise? And to answer that question, let's go ahead and look a little bit at our very next psalm. Psalm 96, beginning in verse 4, which says, For the Lord is great and is highly praised. He is feared above all gods. For all the gods of the people are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, you families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory of his name. Bring an offering and enter his courts. 
Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Let the whole earth tremble before him. So the Lord is great, says Psalm 96, and highly praised, but he's also to be feared above all God. Splendor and majesty and beauty and strength are in his sanctuary. God is beautiful. He's wonderful. He's frighteningly powerful also, as verse 9 describes so well. To worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness means recognizing the dazzling brightness, that's what splendor means, of the presence of God. And our response to such overwhelming holiness and brightness, the light, the fire of who God is, our response is trembling. This aspect of worship, worshiping God with fear and trembling, is so firmly rooted in the Psalms and in the worship of God in the New Testament, the Old Testament, and really all throughout the Bible. It's so often missing from our modern worship experience. So allow me to encourage us in the words of Hebrews 12, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. So my dear friends, I hope you will see today that there is a great mixing in Scripture between fear and worship because our God is wonderful and amazing and loving and beautiful, but he is also powerful and holy and majestic and fear-inspiring. Let's read our Psalms together. Psalm chapter 95, verse 1 in the Christian Standard Bible. Come, let us shout joyfully to the Lord. Shout triumphantly to the rock of our salvation. Let's enter his presence with thanksgiving. Let's shout triumphantly to him in song. For the Lord is a great God, a great king above all gods. The depths of the earth are in his hand and the mountain peaks are his. The sea is his. He made it. His hands form the dry land. Come, let's worship and bow down. Let's kneel before the Lord our maker. For he is our God and we are the people of his pasture. The sheep under his care today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, as on that day at Massah in the wilderness where your ancestors tested me. They tried me, though they had seen what I did. For forty years I was disgusted with that generation. I said, they are a people whose hearts go astray. They do not know my ways. So I swore in my anger, they will not enter my rest. Psalm 96 verse 1. Sing a new song to the Lord. Let the whole earth sing to the Lord. Sing to the Lord. Bless his name. Proclaim his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his wondrous works among all peoples. For the Lord is great and is highly praised. He is feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, you families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory of his name. Bring an offering and enter his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Let the whole earth tremble before him. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be shaken. He judges the peoples fairly. Let the heavens be glad and the earth rejoice. Let the sea and all that fills it resound. Let the fields and everything in them celebrate. Then all the trees of the forest will shout for joy before the Lord, for he is coming, for he is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with his faithfulness. Amen. Well, we close today with our Bible verse of the month. The last day we're going to be reading it 
It is 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, and it says, All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Amen. Good day to you, friends, and Godspeed.